Happy Easter, everyone. I'm so glad you're tuning in. And wherever you're tuning in from, it's an honor that you would give us this time. I'm on a, kind of a location in our city in Lexington, and I'm going to illustrate the message to you today from my heart. It's really going to come from a prophecy I'll share with you in a few moments, given in 1986 by a great man of God that really explains where we are in this nation in this time. My faith is this is going to be the greatest resurrection day we've ever experienced, the greatest Easter we've ever experienced, and see God move in amazing ways. You know, Steph and I used to drive these streets that I'm looking at today. And as we look at them today, you know, we, we drove these streets, goodness, 27, 28 years ago together for the first time. And as we did when we were coming through visiting family, the Holy Spirit kept drawing us and drawing us. And we knew that God said one day we would plant a church right here in Lexington and bring the presence of the Holy Spirit in this region. God said, you'll raise up a church of the Gentiles, a church that looks like a UK football game or basketball game, a church that's full of people with different political views and different races and different cultures and backgrounds. But the one thing we have in common is the mission of Jesus Christ. The one thing we have in common is that we're no longer just living at the foot of the cross, but we're difference makers. We're making a difference right where we are every single day. You know, we've actually, in the past 20, and then in the past 20 years since we planted Bethel, what's so amazing is we have served groceries and food over, I think, 300 plus thousand pounds of food. We've taken backpacks for every once a month for several years up and down these streets to the homeless. We've seen over 12,000 people come to Christ since Bethel existed. You know, what really touches my heart so much is when I think about this day. I want to read to you out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, a couple verses. And it will simply give you the account of what Jesus experienced on the very first Palm Sunday as he rode in to Jerusalem. It says in Luke 19, 41 and 42, it says, When Jer Jerusalem came into view, he looked intently at the city, and he began to weep. You know, what's so wild about that, the word in the Greek for weep, it's not like just a tear or shedding a silent cry, but it actually means to wail or to bewail, that he was actually crying, and he was actually almost in convulsions when he looked over the city. And then in verse 42, and it says, Jesus said, how I wish you knew, talking to the people today, in Jerusalem, how I wish you knew today what would bring peace. Man, at times like this with COVID-19 and we're down here in Lexington and you can see the traffic is pretty slow today as we're here on a Thursday. Normally it would just be packed person to person. We could never do a shoot like this in this walkway. But as I think about what's been going on and I, I realize that we need peace. God said he would give us peace that passes all our understanding. See, it, it has to go beyond what you know and what you think and trust in what the word says. And it says, how I wish you would know today what would bring peace, but you can't see. Remember, I've been telling you for months that we can never move beyond the revelation, the revealed word of God that we live by. 
That's what positions you. That's your toe posture, position of opportunity. That's where you stand in your grace. That's where you stand in your faith, your, whole, your, your, your salvation and your wholeness. Whenever we look at that and I think about Jesus coming up on that donkey, it was so different than when Caesar came in. Caesar came in on his big stallion. He had his entourage with him. But Jesus came in, as Zechariah 9.9 says, he just came in on a little donkey. But man, what an impact. Zechariah 9.9 said this, Cry out with joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout jubilantly, O daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. He is righteous and able to save. He comes seated humbly on a donkey, a coat, a foal, a donkey. Man, Jesus came in riding humbly. And as he came in and when he saw tens of thousands of people that were there to honor him. He began to weep. He began to cry. I think about that as I look around the city. I think about how many people are weeping and crying today, wondering, am I going to get back to work in a week or a month, or will I have a job when I get back? Uh, you, maybe you wondered how you're going to put groceries on the table. Maybe you're wondering, maybe your marriage hadn't been where it should be, and you're on rocky ground, and man, when you have to spend all this time together, you can't hide at work. You can't hide in your hobbies and your activities and hang out with your buddies. You know, right now you've got to face where you really are. And just as Jesus said to them in that time, he was talking about also in the near future how Jerusalem would fall and be ruled over. But here's what I want you to realize. It also relates to us every day. You and I have a choice to live in peace. We have to get beyond what we think and what we know and what we believe. You see, Jesus was surrounded by all these followers who were praising and shouting his goodness. Be careful when the crowd shouts your name, right? Yet his focus was not on the crowd and the celebration. His focus was on those that didn't know anything about him and had nothing to celebrate. You see, Jesus didn't come for his sake. He came for our sake. Jesus didn't come to, to the healthy, Mark 2, 17. He said he came for the sick and the broken. You see, this has always been the heart of Bethel. Why we exist, the four B's, you know it. Belong, a place where you can be loved and accepted just as you are. Believe in Jesus and his word. Become a fully transformed disciple of Christ. And all my favorite, build. What? Build. Yeah, make a difference. Make a difference for God in your workplace. Make a difference for God with your kids. Make a difference for God with your buddies and who you're hanging out with. Wherever you are, I challenge you to make a difference. And you and I are sitting on the precipice, I believe, of maybe potentially the third great, great awakening that in the world, not just in this nation, you and I are sitting here right now, ready to move forward, to take enemy-held territory. And as I look as Jesus did, I can almost weep seeing just a few cars coming up and down the street and a few vehicles. And it just reminds me of how quickly things can change. Who would have ever thought something that doesn't seem to be this drastic? It's not leprosy. It's, it's not, you know, a chemical situation where your skin's falling off. It's COVID-19. Yeah, it can be deadly. It can affect things. But if, listen, if something this small 
can stop the world. What are you facing today that can stop your world? That's what I want to talk about this Easter. That's what I want you to, to, to begin to focus on. What is your true reality? You see, the crowd was celebrating Jesus, but he was the one that had the right perspective because he knew why he was there. You see, Jesus never stopped thinking about why he existed. He never stopped thinking about the plan that God had for his life because the anointing was on him for our sakes. Here in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you a great prophecy from a man of God given in 1986 that will blow your mind and tell us exactly where we are today. Standing here today at noon, lunchtime, in the courtyard of the Fayette District Court. And behind me, you can see the other, the other uh, courthouse and post office. And normally this place is hustling and bustling. You definitely couldn't do this out here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's simply amazing to see what we're dealing with and what we're navigating as pastors, as business leaders, as as men and women out trying to, you know, establish your career, make your life happen. But, you know, these are times when we have to really depend on God. These are times when we have to seek wisdom and, and seek guidance. You know, in January, uh, we hosted an event with <clears throat> Governor Andy Bashir, and it was an honor to do that. It was to do with sex trafficking. And uh, now, with all the COVID-19 and all this stuff going on, it's pretty amazing how popular the governor's gotten with his show. What is it, the afternoon show, Afternoons with Andy. And, uh, you know, talk about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, uh, but as we look at that, we think about that and then nationally what's going on. Look how life has changed so quickly. And just, just in a blink of an eye, snap of your finger, life has changed. Easter has changed. I was just talking to a security guard here at the courthouse a couple moments ago and just said, man, we're having to come up with creative ways to do Easter. But you know what? God is full of creativity, and we will grow from it, church. We will be stronger from it. We've already built greater relationships together, and I can feel such an anointing on our house. You know why? Because we're Bethel. We're family. We're difference makers. And that's what this, this thing's all about, isn't it? Being difference makers for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so we find ourselves here in this pivotal moment, and... Uh, We've had to make choices to slow down. We've had to make choices to do things differently, the way we work, the way we socialize, and the way we have our relationships. But as we're at this time, what is so amazing, back all the way back in 1986, let me say this first. God is never gonna let you be too surprised. You might be surprised because he doesn't always move quickly, but he moves suddenly. <clears throat> but what I want you to realize is he already laid the track for us to understand the times we're in. He told us way back in 1986 through a great pastor, Christian author, and evangelist, as well as prophet David Wilkerson, who started the great Times Square Church in New York, who started, who was the founder of Teen Challenge, the addiction recovery program. And here's the prophecy God gave him in 1986. <clears throat> it says, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars and the church and government will be shut down. Wow. 
look guys, right here we are. We're looking around and, and the government shut down. The bars are shut down. It, it, it's truly amazing. He said this, he said, the plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken before. The, pl the plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer into their Bibles and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit and out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. That is the great prophet David Wilkerson who's with the Lord now. And here at these government buildings and we look around and we see our nation, how things are shut down. I mean, in our lifetime, really in the existence of this nation, even during the Civil War, World War I, World War II, never have we lived in a time where everything was shut down. The bars, the government, churches, everything shut down at the same time. So that should let us know we could have been born in any time or any dispensation. This could be some Easter that we just take for granted. But it, we should never do that. But even more so now, we need to realize where our roots come from and we, where we came from. So today these buildings are empty and it's not just that people are absent, guys. It's that our nation is somewhat empty. Our nation is stressed. Our nation is in fear. Many of you are battling fear right now. Many of you are, you know, battling isolation. You're lonely. Many of you may be battling sickness. Whatever it is right now, I want you to know that God has your back. I want you to know that this is your time to shine. I want you to know that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Yeah, that's right. Standing here with the government, we need to pray for our government. We need to support our government. We need to stand with our government. But the main thing is we got to stand with Christ. And as we stand with him, we can be prayer warriors and, and, and world changers for everyone that we come into contact with. You know, the scripture tells us in 1 John that we will overcome this world through faith. Guys, it's going to take faith. And it's going to take us having faith together. It's going to take us being in unity together. I shared with our church about a month and a half ago, God had me deal, preach, and many of you remember, a sermon on, a series on uh, Jesus on politics. You know, when you have a church of the Gentiles, multicultural, different people vote differently, look differently, different cultures, different backgrounds, different educational backgrounds and business and economic backgrounds, that's not really a popular message. But God wouldn't let me off the hook. But do you remember what he gave us? Jesus' final prayer before, he, before Palm Sunday, before he went to the cross, before he rose from dead, what was it? Father, pray for them in John 17. And what he asked, first he said, pray for them. That's for us. But then secondly, what did Jesus do? He, he put in his own prayer request. Can you imagine being in a circle, sitting around at a, a little prayer group or in a small group, cadet group, and Jesus is there and he raised his hand and said, I have a prayer request. And what was his prayer request? Father, let them be one as you and I are one. What did he say? The most important thing that we face during difficult times is we must stick together. We must be in unity. Think about it. This time, Jesus is go knowing he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to be beat. He knows he's going to hang. He knows he's on that cross. He knows he's going to die and suffer for you and I, for the joy that was set out before him. But get this, guys. His number one concern 
was not to protect us from problems, not to take us out of the world, because if we're out of the world, who's going to make a difference? No, his prayer was that we stay in unity. Remember what I told you? The three things we do as a church, even if we, number one, disagree politically, what do we do? Number two, we love unconditionally. And number three, we pray for unity. And that's my prayer for our government. That's my prayer for local, city, state, and national, national, as well as the world. That through this time, the pressure, when the pressure is on, you find out who and what's in you. This is our time to honor our Savior, make a difference wherever we are, not to whine, not to whimper, not to complain, but be men and women of God, be children of God, being a, a, the light, a, the city set up on a hill, being a light that draws people to us, not pushes people away. Because remember, we're not representing ourselves. We're representing our Savior and our Heavenly Daddy. And in just a moment, I'm going to take you to a pretty popular place that it's pretty wild that it's closed today, especially on a Thursday around lunchtime. Uh, well, you'll see in a minute. Standing here today in front of this empty bar is kind of weird, especially right here on campus. And it's a pretty popular place to hang out. And I look around and normally this place around noon is going wild. People all over the place, hanging out, eating, socializing. And it reminds me of the prophecy that I shared with you earlier <clears throat> from David Wilkerson. It says, I see a plague coming on the world and the bars and church and government will be shut down. The plague will hit New York City and it will shake it like it's never been shaken. <clears throat> the plague is going to force prayerless believers and a radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And of it will come a third great awakening <clears throat> that will sweep America and the world. <clears throat> you know, when I read that prophecy, I'm encouraged. I, you know, if I had <clears throat> read that in 1986, somebody thought, man, he, that's kind of negative. That's doom and gloom. But now it just seems normal. That's what's eerie. That's what's weird. It just seems normal that bars are closed and churches are closed and the government's closed. But don't get used to this normal. It's only temporary. And the reason that we see these bars are normally full is simply why churches should be full. And that is through, for relationship. That is for connection. Remember the old Cheers uh, show that used to be on in the 80s? I used to watch it all the time growing up. Their intro song was what? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and there's always, they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. I think that's the truth with any of us, whether it's in our family, at work, school, church, or even a bar. We just want to be where people know our name. We just want to be where we can be noticed and we can notice others and we can share our lives together. You know, it's not fun being isolated, is it? I mean, during this time, I mean, you know, it's easy to get stir crazy. It's easy to get restless in your home. And I think about even me, you know, I just got to get out and walk around the neighborhood every so often because I'm so used to being busy and used to being going. But Jesus knew what it was like to be alone. Even when he was with people, in a sense, he was alone, even though he loved them and he wanted to help them and he wanted to be there for them. But he was still alone. 
because they didn't truly see and understand him as we have the blessing and opportunity to do today. Matthew's gospel shares a very pivotal time in Jesus' life right before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 39 says, He fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Hey, he didn't like it either, but he had a mission to do. It says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In that pivotal moment, in that time of pressure like none before, the Bible says he's praying like drops of blood dropping from his brow. Remember he got on his disciples and said, can you not tarry with me or pray with me one hour as he prayed all through the night? He wanted to pray that he wasn't alone until he knew the Father had everything covered in his life. You know what he did in that very pivotal moment, under the pressure, under the stress, like he never faced in his life to this point, Jesus, the carpenter boy that became... That, that became our Lord and Savior. What did he do? He, he made a choice. He made a decision to be the all-time difference maker for humanity. He made a decision to make you and I his eternal difference makers. We're not here by happenstance, my friend, or mistake. We're here because we are a decision. We're the sum total today of every decision we've ever made in our life. It all adds up. But here's the difference and the kind of difference makers we should be. In 1 John 4, 17, while most of the church is trying to become as Jesus was before the cross and on the cross, they're not becoming who he wants us to be. John 1, 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment because, listen to this, as he is so are we in this world. So much of the church, we want to live like hanging around the cross, hanging around and, and try not to do this and not to do that. Jesus wants us to be as he is now, not as he was when he was a man walking on this planet and God. He wants us to be as he is now in his glory. Let me, let me prove it to you. Here's what, look what the book of Revelation says in, one four, in chapter 1. It describes Jesus. Think about this. It says his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as, a refi as refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now, wait a minute. He's not saying you be as he was. He said be as I am. That's who he is today. And as we, as he is, so are we. And that declaration, my friend, goes far beyond what any of us could have ever imagined. It goes far beyond that because he wants us to live in the fullness of his stature. We're to be as he is, not as he was. And we're to be as he is, not as we used to be. He tells us in uh, Ephesians 4, tells us, the Holy, uh, Ephesians 4 tells us the Holy Spirit, what? Was given to us, why? For us to attain the full stature of Christ. It says to be in the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Holy Spirit couldn't even manifest until Jesus had already risen from the dead. Remember when Mary wanted to touch him, he says, no, don't touch me. I got to go with my father first to be glorified. Then he came back down and shown himself for 40 days and nights preaching the gospel. But the Holy Spirit, as it could only be given, he could only be given 
after Jesus was glorified. That's what the scripture tells us in John 7, 39. You see, the Holy Spirit, guys, comforts us. He gives us gifts. What else does he do? He reminds us of what Jesus said about us and what Jesus says today. And you know what else he does? He clothes you. He endues you with power. Not the power of natural man, might, strength, or the world's wisdom. But that word power in the Greek is dunamis. It means power like a dynamite to explode, to break away depression, addiction, fear, lust, everything, hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness. It breaks all that away from your life. And then it also means dynamo, a transference of power. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes on you to break things loose, but then he endues you to be a power source for God. Man, think about that. Without the glorified state, the word glory means manifested presence or God seen or God made visible. Without the glorified state, his state, there's no heavenly model for you and I to follow. If we're to be like him and we're to be in his image, Easter is not about weeping and crying what Christ did on the cross. Sure, we weep and cry. We, we can't even imagine what he went through. But that's not a great testimony. A great testimony is when you love people like Jesus loved. When you reach out to people like he reaches out to. When you speak to people the way Jesus spoke to them and give the way Jesus gave and serve the way Jesus served. What are you doing? You're making a difference. Who was Jesus? He was God with skin on. That's all. He was just God with skin on his body. I want you to realize now you just have skin on your body and greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. So I want to challenge you, difference makers. I want to challenge you to be a difference maker. Not just a natural difference maker, but an eternal difference maker. What kind? To be as he is, so are we. Where? In this world. Listen, guys. This world it's not your home. It's your mission. Your home is heaven. And Jesus said, they said, well, how do we pray? And Jesus said, what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he wants it done his way. He wants it done through his might. He wants it to done through his mission. That's what the great co-mission is all about. We're not doing it alone. We're doing it with him. And through the endowment and clothing of the power of his Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you, how are you going to be used in this season? Are you truly going to be a difference maker? Or are you just going to sit on the sideline? It's up to you right now. You're going to sit back in fear. You're going to let COVID-19 wipe you out, depress you. Or are you going to rise up and be the difference maker God called you to be? I believe you can do it. I know you can do it. And here at the next spot, will be a surprising spot, kind of an eerie spot for me as a pastor. But when we get there, I'm going to pray for you to be endued with that same power. I'm standing in front of a empty church right now, which is totally amazing to me as churches are closed across our nation and across really much of the world. As I look at the Christian life we live today, and I know that for the Bethel family, God called us to be difference makers. Not to sit on the sidelines, not to set this one out, but to use our faith, use our love, and to connect. To love our neighbor 
us ourselves. Just as we're supposed to love the Lord God, thy God, with all of our heart, so am I. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as I think about being a difference maker, and as we're celebrating the day that Christ came out of the grave, right, and ascended with the Father, and then he was glorified, and then it says when he come back, it says what? We are what? To be as he is, so are we to be in this world. As he is, so are we to be in this world. So God wants us to be just like Jesus in this world. That's why he said in John 14, you'll not only do the works that I've done, but greater works than these shall you do. That's what Jesus said. He wouldn't have told us that if he didn't endure us with power, anointing, and authority to do it. I think the key is the Christian life is not found on the cross. The Christian life is found because of the cross. Let me say that again. The Christian life, we, we don't live our Christian life because of what's on the cross. We live the, our Christian life because we found the cross. And that's not to diminish the power of the resurrection. It's not to diminish any of that. I think what's diminishing is whenever we begin to focus on the past and what we can't fix versus focus on now and the future. Jesus shed his blood for our future. Jesus shed his blood for our eternal salvation. And he is the spotless lamb. And he is the one that, that wiped away the sin of the world for those that will accept it through his blood. As I think about the cross, and it is hard to imagine what our Savior went through, but what's crazy, the scripture tells us in Hebrews 12, 2, says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat at the right hand of the throne of God. But yet, Man's consciousness, where are we? Our consciousness still remains fixed on the Christ who died versus the Christ who's alive sitting at the right hand of the Father. Too many times we're looking back for a Redeemer who was rather than the Redeemer who is. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means faith is right now. And for you that are hurting, you that are broken right now, many that we see around our nation are in a great time of need. It takes the now faith. It takes an up-to-date relationship with Christ. Maybe you find yourself far away from God. We've had over 12,000 people in 20 years come to Christ on our property at Bethel Harvest Church. In the last month, to three months, we've had blind eyes open, deaf ears open, bones moved, backs healed, knees healed, and so on. Our God is still alive. He is still enduing us with power. We are anointed and called for such a time as this to be the difference makers that he has called us to be. It's time for us that we move beyond the, the fear of financial debt or sickness or or poor relationships. This is our time, guys. This is our time. And for every one of you right now that don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to come to you humbly and ask you, how about now? How about now? This is the time. This is the place for you. Right in a time of crisis, as Christ had to come into the Garden of Gethsemane knowing he was going to be arrested, sweating great drops of blood as he was praying, he endured the suffering for the joy that was coming. The cool thing is, 
whenever we give our life to Christ, we get the joy right now. We get the peace of God right now. We get the rest of God, the love of God right now. I want to ask you, are you far away from Christ right now? Do you feel like you're all alone, you're isolated? Maybe you're broken. Well, my Savior is here for you. Just like he did me. I, many of you have heard my story. I totaled three cars before I was 21 and partied out of two colleges. I know how to it, snort it, smoke it, drink it, whatever. But you know what? It, I found that I was going to die. I had too many friends dying all around me. And I couldn't quit on my own. But I kneeled my knee down in a little Nazarene church on a Sunday night with a hangover with 17 people in the congregation and gave my life to Christ. Man, that was when I was 23. That was 35 years ago. And if God could save a little hillbilly boy like me out totaling cars and being an idiot, he's got the anointing to save you today. How about it, ma'am? How about it, sir? How about receiving him as your Lord and Savior? You just take a moment with me. I want to pray with you right now. I want to just come, come to right where you are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That you'd open your heart and your mind and say these words with me and mean it with all your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, take me. I'm a sinner. Come and live in my heart, Jesus, and be my Lord and Savior. I know you rose from the dead, and I receive your atoning blood to wash my sins away. And I receive, God, sonship, daughtership to be your child now in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Father. The scriptures tell us, guys, that the instant you give your life to Christ, it says you become a new creature, a creation in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away. This is your time to step into your future. I want you to do a text on the screen, text Jesus, and, you, and we can get your information, and we want to communicate with you. And how about you guys right now that you're just, man, you know Christ, but you just don't feel him right now. You're going through so many trials. You're going through so many tribulations. You know, what really transformed me, I was preaching this gospel for over 20 years and found myself at a time of depression and anxiety, and I didn't even know what depression was. I've never been that kind of person. And my lovely wife, Steph, finally said, honey, something's up. You need to get some help. And I called some friends, and I had to go out west for about a week to an anointed man of God. And I spent a week with him and his wife, and then they ministered to me and just, just really helped me understand things about myself to where I could receive healing. And you know what it was? I was trying to prove myself to God. I was trying to preach better. I was trying to live better. I was trying to do better. I was trying to serve more, realizing that that's an endless road. That's not what grace is. Grace is free. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to preach for it. You don't have to serve for it. He loves you just as you are, not as you think you should be or anyone else thinks you should be. And the revelation I got was that he's daddy. He's no longer, yeah, he's my Lord and my Savior. And I had that down, but I didn't have the daddy part down. And that's what Abba means, daddy. And I want you to realize once I accepted that what First John says, he first loved me, it took the pressure off. That was about 10 years ago, and I tell you, I've, I've been a different man since. So I want to pray for you guys right now. Maybe you feel you're not living up to some standard or some, you know, religious whatever. Man, forget that junk. It's about relationship. Listen, it says in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said this, religion is the thief of my power. And if you believe more in a religion, a method, a style, 
You're not going to walk in the endued power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray right now for you to just come home to Christ or to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in you so that you can be the man or woman of God he called you to be, the mother, the father, the husband, the wife, the honor, uncle, whoever it is that today could be your day to have a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Father, right now, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. This is Resurrection Sunday, and I pray right now you stir up your Holy Spirit and everyone under the sound of my voice, that God, not one person would feel lonely, not one person would feel empty, broken, or misguided, but today, God, they would feel your presence. They would know you are real and that they are on track. God, as we put all of our stuff behind us, we just ask forgiveness, we put it all behind us, and we receive your fullness now. God, make us your difference makers, that we're not on this planet for us, but we're on this planet for you and for others. We thank you that your spirit, God, is not on us for our sake. It's on us for the sake of others. You're in us for our sake, but you're on us for the sake of others. And help us, Lord, move beyond the foot of the cross. We honor it, but help us to live the life you destined us to live to fulfill your mission. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Friends, I just want to thank you for taking this time today. And I just really pray right now that, just move out of that comfort zone and open up and just get real with God. We sure do love you, man. We'd love you to become a part of our Bethel family. But if not, find a home church. Find a place where you can build relationships, where it's not about religion. It's about relationships, where you're loved just as you are. That's why we exist, our four, B, our four Bs. We believe this. We, we, we believe that this is a place where we belong. We're loved just as we are. We believe in Jesus and his word. We become fully transformed disciples of Christ, and we build. That's right, build the kingdom. We become difference makers. I believe you're a difference maker, and I hope to see you soon. Till next time, God bless.